Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC 246, Conor the Notorious McGregor versus Donald Cowboy Cerrone, and Shaq is going down this Saturday in the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, at the T-Mobile Arena. First event of the year, and we're kicking it off with a banger. Surprise, surprise, motherfuckers. The, the king is back, man. I'm glad to see him back uh, where he needs to be instead of, you know, outside of the cage. Uh, these last few years have been quite quite something for McGregor. It's good to see them back in, back in there against... Uh, number one in the all-time wins department uh most bonuses if i'm not mistaken uh one of the top record uh breakers in the ufc history man cowboy cerrone always brings it we always know that with these two we're gonna get a good fight someone more than likely is gonna get knocked out or, or submitted so i think we're gonna get our money's worth come saturday it's truly great to see donald cerrone get this opportunity i couldn't think of someone more deserving and for mcgregor it's always a pleasure to watch this guy fight there's a different kind of atmosphere and energy on mcgregor fight week yeah 100 percent uh, Conor McGregor brings that that uh, that aura into the cage. Now it kind of seems like he might not have that same uh, you know witty ability that he once had, but you know uh, it, it's still better than a lot of guys that we see in the game today. I'm glad to see him back. Definitely, and man, it's a new year. It's 2020, and check out our bets at bestfightpicks.com. You can use the promo code 2020 for 20% off our VIP packages. And our VIP is both my bets and Shaq's bets in one package. Now, if you just want to go through us individually, you can use the promo code Shaq for 10% off any of Shaq's packages or the promo code Dan for 10% off my bets, all lowercase, bestfightpicks.com. Well, Shaq, let's break down this whole car start to finish because first up in the strawweight division, we got a matchup between Sabina Mazo, who's seven and one, and J.J. Aldridge, who's 8-3. Currently, they got Sabina Mazo, minus 115, and J.J. Aldridge is minus 105. So, Shaq, it's a pick em with a slight lean on Sabina Mazo. Both these ladies have been making improvements. Who do you think gets the win? Yeah, it was good to see Mazo finally get the, the win in her second fight. We know that the debut, man, that... She let a lot of people down. She got uh, bloodied up by Marina Moroz. Um, I really don't feel like I, I still know too much about her. I mean, I know that she was knocking out those soccer moms on the local scene, and then she fought Marina Moroz. Seemed like she looked like a like a fish out of water for a little bit, maybe UFC debut nerves. Um, and then her second fight against Shayna Dobson, she completely dominated. But, I mean, as you and I both know, Shayna Dobson... You know, it's a, it's a complete joke. No offense, but, you know, in terms of the fighting sense of the thing, I mean, she was number 16 seed on tough, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so, you know, I, I just can't take that win too seriously. J.J. Uh, Aldridge, on the other hand, I think that J.J. Aldridge has uh, just fought the better competition. She's done better uh, in certain spots like these when she's kind of, you know, she opened up the underdog. Seems like a lot of people better. Um, she had some success against Macy Barber, won her round. Now she did end up getting knocked out. But hey, man, at least you won a round against Macy Barber. If I put Sabina Mazzo in there, I, I'm not convinced she makes it out the first round. So uh, I think that J.J. Aldridge is the better fighter overall. She's the brown belt in jiu-jitsu. I feel like she's got the cleaner cage work and definitely an edge in the boxing department. And and from uh, Sabina Mazzo's fight with Marina Moroz, it, it didn't seem like she liked getting hit on that nose too much. And you got to feel like that nose might be in jeopardy here. One thing Sabina does have on J.J. is length. And she's got a you know, some good physical weapons. So if she can gather herself in the skills department, she can definitely make up the gap. So I wouldn't be shocked if she won, but my pick is going to be J.J. Aldridge. I think she's the better fighter, and I, and I think she wins a unanimous decision. 
Look, Sabina Mazo is a talented Muay Thai striker fighting out of King's MMA, works with Master Rafael, Benil Dariush, and all the great fighters there. Still very young at 23 years old, hard kicks, has won two fights via head kick knockout and rocked her last UFC opponent with some hard shots as well. She's still a developing fighter and I'd like to see more in the in-between. You know, the kicks are great, but there's still something missing in the little details of her game. And when she finally puts it together, she could be someone to look out for. And with JJ Aldrich, I often underestimate her because she seems very beatable and not that dangerous, but I got to give her a lot of credit. She's been making improvements and quietly put together a 4-2 UFC record. So although Sabina is younger, taller, and has a reach advantage, I'll side with the experience of Aldridge. I think she times her left hand nicely. The pairing is on point, and if she doesn't get caught with a big kick, I like her chances here. Now next up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Brian Kelleher, he's 19-10, and 10, and O'Day Osborne is 8-2. Currently, they got O'Day Osborne minus 145, and the comeback on Brian Kelleher is plus 125. Well, Shaq, obviously, Brian Kelleher, always an exciting fighter every single time, but this kid O'Day uh, impressed a lot of people on Contender Series. Uh, you think he gets it done in his UFC debut? Yeah, Brian Kelleher, man, he came into the UFC, beat the number 13 guy in Yuri Alcantara in the first round by submission, kind of came onto that UFC scene uh, really hard. Then he fought Cheeto Vera, got submitted, but he bounced back against Stasiak in Poland. Uh, with a knockout victory, I actually I actually even bet him against Henan Burrell down there in Orlando. Uh, he came through against the old faded vet Henan, and it was a good performance. Now the issue with that is Brian Kelleher truly believed that after he beat Henan Burrell, that he was gonna go down to Brazil, fight John Lineker, knock him out, and then fight for the title. Now. I, I'm, I'm not gonna you know knock him for self-belief and, and going for his dreams but you know uh just from the on the outside looking in it's a little bit unrealistic not saying you know that he he had no chance to be Lineker which he didn't have a chance to be Lineker but like I think that he he believed in that so much that after he got knocked stone dead down there in Brazil that it deterred him in a way and I've seen this happen to a lot of guys man when they finally get that one big shot that they've been earning for so long and then they get viciously KO'd and then it's never the same because they they really truly believe that they that uh, things were gonna manifest in that spot and that and that's just not the case anymore man so I feel like Brian Kelleher got completely deterred and then you saw what happened when he. Uh, decided to come back against Ode Osborne's teammate Montel Jackson and he got knocked out in the first round he was always known for his chin you know that was one of the reasons why I bet him against Henan Burrell because I had confidence in his chin you know I I truly believe that it was going to take a lot to knock him out then we see him against Montel Jackson and uh you know he takes one elbow on the forehead and then he subsequently got tapped out so I think that uh this is a perfect spot for a guy like Ode Osborne an athletic guy like I said Montel Jackson's teammate this guy yeah he does fight with his hands down a little bit but he's so explosive he's so fast and not to mention he's got a, a um a game off his back we saw in the contender series uh him pull off a nice submission there he's done it as well on the local scene kelleher's been submitted numerous amounts of times also has some submissions we gotta definitely we gotta respect his guillotine his guillotine is definitely a really good one so oday's gonna have to be careful for that but i think that he can oday osborne has the ability to really sink kelleher early i think that if he comes out here and touches kelleher on that chin i honestly think kelleher might start seeing stars and start might look uh start looking for ways out i think he's desperate i think he he uh, switched camps for this one last six weeks. He went to Factory X. We'll see how it works out, but I think the more confident guy coming into the spot is Ode Osborne, and I think he uh, touches Brian Kelleher up early for, uh, for an early knockout, so I got Ode Osborne. 
Look, Kelleher brings it every time, win or lose. Uh, this is a guy who switches his stances a lot. He's very influenced by TJ Dillashaw, and he makes up for a lack of athleticism with his experience and his grit. Very nasty guillotine choke. The wins, like you mentioned, Yuri Alcantara, Stasiak, Hennon Brown. This guy even went out there and beat Julio Arce twice on the regionals back in the day. So Boom has definitely put in the work. Yeah, he'd be my boy, Andre, uh, soccer mom, as uh, Sean O'Malley likes to say, Sukumtut. Kelleher admitted that after the Lineker fight, it destroyed his confidence. Uh, in his subsequent fight with Montel Jackson, he was finished early in the first, dropped with an elbow, submitted with a darce. He says the time off has made him reinvigorated, but I'm going to have to see it to believe it. And with Ode Osborne, out of everyone on Season 3 of Contender Series, I was most impressed with Ode Osborne. On the feet, very long, athletic, 7-inch reach advantage over Kelleher. Osborne's got very slick jujitsu in his back pocket, and interestingly enough, he's finished many fights off his back with arm bars and triangles, and oftentimes, I don't like picking fighters that like fighting off their back in the UFC, but not only do I think this is a good fight for Osborne, I also think he's very slick with his jujitsu. Osborne's natural talent mixed with his work ethic makes him a prospect to watch. I'm very intrigued to see what he does, and like we already mentioned, he's a main training partner of Montel Jackson, the last man to face and defeat Kelleher, so I'm taking O'Day Osborne to to finish Brian Kelleher. Now next up in the light heavyweight division, we got Justin Ledette, he's 9-2, and two, and Alexa Kamor is 5-0. and oh. Currently, they got Justin Ledette, he's plus 100, and Alexa Kamor is minus 120. So Shaq, obviously with Justin Ledette, he's had as many UFC fights as Kamor's had pro fights, uh, but as you know, these contender series uh, alums, the UFC tries to set them up with a win. You think Kamor gets it done here in his debut? Yeah, this is a very one of the, this is one of the more closer fights in my opinion uh, on the card. Kamora definitely great flying knee that he had on Contender Series. He actually got rocked right before that and then lands the flying knee. A great move. Uh, and I definitely think that there is a chance that Justin Ledet, I mean, there is a chance that he could be mentally, uh, you know, just weathered after those last two fights. I mean, the Ratchet fight, that was one of the more dominating 205 fights of all time. There was two 30-24s. And then uh, you got the fight against Johnny Walker, which landed 15 seconds. So, you know, there is a chance that Justin Ledet's confident. So I, I do think this they are trying to set uh Ledet up for sure it's just a matter of is the guy that they're trying to do it with good enough you know Alexa Kimura I think he's a tough it seems like a tough kid seems like he wants it more than Ledet seems like there's a lot of momentum on his side but just by you know the competition level that he's fought and I, and I hate using this but in his particular case I will just because I mean the guy was fighting snow cone guys out there in Ohio and that's just facts I mean those guys look like you know my former woodshop teacher back in high school man and, and that's just the honest truth about it and then you know the the, the fight that he had on contender series um that guy was definitely big, you know, explosive, definitely had a lot of power, but that guy was 4-0 with a, against a combined record of, of like 3-17. and 17. So Justin Ledet has seen a level of the sport that this kid could only dream of. But uh, Ledet's biggest issue is, I don't want to say his mindset, but it just seems like there's a lot of bad energy around him, you know. It just seems like he's always in a bad mood. And, you know, he, he has expressed in the past that back when he was a prospect, at least, that uh, the UFC should be doing this for me and doing that for me. And, and 
and those type of guys usually aren't, you know, uh, aren't the type of guys you want to have money on. I know it has nothing to do with fighting, but trust me, that attitude, uh, his type of attitude can sometimes play a factor inside the cage. So in terms of the betting perspective, I think that it's a, I think it's got to be a pass fight unless Kimura goes to, to dog money because we know that sometimes uh, the numbers are in favor of these kids coming off the contender series in their initial fights. So you possibly could have some value. It's just, I honestly can't say that Alexa Kimura uh, at minus money as of currently has you know that I trust them in the skills that I've seen to go out there and beat a guy that I know can box that I know uh, has some good volume if he's fighting a lesser opponent not named Johnny Walker or Alexander Ratchik you know I honestly don't want to have a pick I have a feeling that Kamor is probably going to win a decision but I wouldn't be shocked if he got knocked out, if he got submitted, if he completely embarrassed himself. You know, it would not shock me either way. But it wouldn't be it shocked me either way if Ledet came out here and laid an egg. It's a tough fight. I'll go Alexa Kamor by split decision, and uh, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, look, Justin Ledet, he's got a nice jab and solid boxing for MMA. I've also seen him get takedowns and submit opponents, as evidenced by the Mark Godbeer fight. Six-inch reach advantage over uh, Kmore, so it'll be interesting to see if he can get off on his jab. Now, uh, speaking of this dude's mindset, he is a flat earther, and dude takes it to a whole new level, Shaka. If you hear his interviews... The guy doesn't wear deodorant. The guy's a nut job. He's out here making his own laundry detergent. <laughs> I'm a hundred. I'm a hundred percent serious about this too. Very peculiar guy for sure. And uh, as far as the numbers with the striking goes, negative strike ratio. And what I mean by that is he gets hit more than he lands. Now, as far as Alexa Kamor is concerned, he's only 5-0, and no, but he seems to have a bit of power and athleticism behind him. He trains with Stipe Miocic. Now, that could either mean he's learning from the best, or it could mean he's taking absolute ass whoopings from the best. You look at a guy like Jeff Hughes, and his biggest selling point was, oh, he trains with Stipe, but the guy can't win a UFC fight to save his life. So... I wouldn't put too much stock into training with the heavyweight champ. Not only that, Kmore's never seen the third round of a fight, but in that last one where he saw the second round for the first time, beautifully timed flying knee on contender series. Seems to have a good bit of athleticism, like I said. We just need to know how he performs on this level. And one thing I got to say, speaking of the numbers, contender series winners that got signed the night of the show win 60% of the time in their UFC debuts. So I'll pick him to win this fight. But I would not recommend going big until he proves that he can perform at this level. Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got a slugfest between Drew Dober. He's 21-9. and And Nazrat Hakparast is 11-2. and Currently, they got Nazrat Hakparast minus 335. The comeback on Drew Dober is plus 275. Well, Shaq, we say it every time, and I bet we're going to say it again, too, in the Andre Feely fight, but I have a feeling that Dober and Hakparast are going to stand and bang until one man falls, and I just really can't wait to see this fight because, man, when you talk about a guy like Drew Dober, he has an amazing mentality. You have to hear his interview with MMA Junkie. Just as a human being, he's someone you want to look up to. Check it out, and you'll see what I mean. Uh, very, very awesome energy, very positive. He's the kind of guy you want to hang around. Dober's very experienced, and he's been in the UFC facing tough competition since 2013. That's seven years in the company, Shaq. I know you remember when Dober finished the former WEC lightweight champ, Jamie Varner, had the great fights with Holtzman and Camacho, the big knockouts over Polo, Reyes, Josh Berkman, and Jason Gonzalez along the way. I mean, he handled them all accordingly. Dober appears to be in the best form of his UFC career. Even in the Benil fight, I thought he looked very solid until he got finished. I'm very curious if Dober's willingness to brawl mixed with his experience will work to his benefit or his downfall. That's what 
what makes this fight so intriguing to me because Nazrat is definitely a willing dance partner. And when you talk about Nazrat Hakparast, very talented young prospect. Only 24 years old. He's got a missile of a left hand. I mean, that left hand is money. Nazrat has been making steady improvements every fight. It's funny because Shaq, the one time I decide to bet him at big dog odds, he goes out there and loses to a guy like Marcin Held. But since that point, he's definitely proven himself and shown glimpses of that big talent that everyone was hyping him up for. So I'm very curious to see how these pocket exchanges are going to go. On paper, it seems like Nazrat is the faster guy and the one that lands at a higher clip. So for that reason, I'll pick him here. But at the same time, do I fault people for taking the shot on the experienced vet? I can't say I do, Shaq. It's a great, a greatly matched fight. I think this is a good test for Nasrat. Coming off the knockout, uh, vicious knockout victory over Neto BJJ. Uh, you know, I actually bet on Neto BJJ. It was plus two something. Felt like I had some good odds. And Nasrat uh, showed, showed why he is the real deal. Now, I, I agree with some of the things you said on Dober. Dober uh, is one of these guys that I kind of have a feeling that at lines like this, you know, is kind of a little bit more suitable because honestly, I feel like this, when you really consider where he started at in the UFC, losing to Sean Spencer and Efrain and you just, you know, it was very just subpar. Uh, the only only good thing he did back in the day is when he finished my boy Jamie Varner. Uh, you know, remember when my boy Jamie used to quit every fight, but uh, <laughs> no, Jamie knocked himself out with a with a takedown attempt in that fight. You know, so uh, I think that sometimes guys like Dober can be, you know, rewarded after a lot of hard work. This is the best stretch of his career. I mean, a couple little adjustments and Dober could be right on the fringe of the top 15 in that Darius fight. You know, if you can beat Darius, then, you know, you're you're a stamp guy at lightweight. And he was literally a couple punches away in that first round. Um, and the kid's got good volume. Kid trains in elevation. He's got very good cardio. He's tough. I, I like Drew Dober. He will never be cut. Drew Dober is one of the more exciting lightweights on the roster. That's why he's fighting on this card. And Nasrat, I mean, you pretty much hit it, man. The kid's left hand is money. Uh, his striking game moving backwards, it's really, it's it's just really good. You know, some guys, not everyone can strike moving backwards, and he's got really good timing. Now, the only uh, issue is, you know, Dober is a guy that will move forward. He is super aggressive. He's going to get in your face, and he's going to try to knock you out. And uh, sometimes, you know, 24 years old, these are, you know, sometimes will be called first L season, even though he already had his first L. But, you know, first real L. That was a weak notice. Uh, fuck Marcin Held. <laughs> you remember when Demir Hatsovich knocked Marcin Held out? Uh, <laughs> Plus 265, I believe. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I think that... Yes, uh, Nashrat is probably the more high ceiling fighter, definitely the better striker. But well, under those bright lights, under uh, on a card like this, you got to be careful that Dober could sneak up on you here. This is the best stretch of his career, four out of five. This kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Aldana and Kellen. Not saying that Dober is going to come in here and get the, the knockout, but you know, struggled a little bit early. Four or five, lost a close split decision, even though Dober got finished. But first round, if he made small adjustments, he could have been in a different spot. You know, I'll pick Nasrat, but I, I'd be careful. Now, next up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between Tim Elliott, he's 15-9, and nine, and Asker Askarov is 10-0. and 0. Currently, they got Asker Askarov minus 140, and the comeback on Tim Elliott is plus 120. Shaq, this should be a fun scramble fest while it lasts. I mean, Tim Elliott, he's a very exciting guy. 
I remember when Tim Elliott beat up Jared Papazian back in the day. I remember when he put it on the green-haired guy that looks like AJ from the Backstreet Boys back in 2013. Look, Elliott's fun to watch. He throws cartwheel kicks on the feet, but what he's really known for is his grappling ability. And Askarov is interesting because he has a very similar style to Elliott, very loose on the feet, but relies heavily on his scrambling and submission ability. I really think that Russians carry a certain mystique and respect just from the virtue of where they're from, and oftentimes for great reason. But in this specific case, I truly believe if his name was Askar Lopez or Askar Smith, there's a high chance nobody would give a shit. Askar doesn't fight like most Russians. He's very accepting of bottom position, which can be tough to trust at the betting window. And that being said, you have to respect Askarov's ability to find a submission at any point, especially in a fight like this. I've also heard that Elliot was involved in a car accident in this camp and it may have hindered his ability to be in the gym every day. We'll find out Saturday if that's true or not. Uh, I'll, I'll take Askarov via split decision. Yeah, it's uh, it's for the most part a closely matched fight because we got Askarov who they say is 27, I, I believe, but uh, between you and me, he's probably about 35. You know, some of these these Russian visas, could, Russian visas can be complete bullshit. Just in a matter months he's probably gonna have visa issues so uh, <laughs> you know Askarov uh yeah I mean his fight with Moreno uh he made it the distance it was a draw uh Moreno probably should have won that fight but uh hey he hung in there you know as where I don't think Tim Elliott could last two rounds with uh Moreno you know I think that you know Elliott, Tim Elliott won the season that tough Moreno was on yeah, but what's he done for you lately, you know? Nothing. Have so, you know, I think that um, Elliot, that was probably the, 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 the high of his career that tough season right there. You know, he's the big vet in a house with young kids that ain't never been in there before. And he, he was able to thrive, you know, had a great effort against DJ. Uh, but his only win since, I mean, he, let's not forget this guy got ran through by Ben 10 win uh, in a mat in like less than two minutes. And then he... Uh, less than one minute. Then he beat, yeah, it was right away. Then he beat a... Which I actually bet on Ben Ben Ten at plus one ninety, I believe it was. <laughs> and then, uh, then he fought uh, Mark De La Rosa. De La Rosa comes in on short notice. We know that De La Rosa isn't UFC caliber. Okay, you get a a nice one there. I get a nice bonus. But then uh, he tore. I think he tore his ACL. Um, then he comes back against Daisugaya. You know, I actually bet on Davison in that spot. Thought it was easy money. Didn't think there was any way he could lose that fight, and he got finished in the first round. So I think that. Uh, Every time Elliot goes in there against a legit guy, he gets finished. Uh, the only time he can really get wins is if, like, the guy's, like, a complete, you know, UFC low-level uh, can. No offense, Mark De La, De La Rosa. You know, you you have the opportunity to prove me wrong in New Mexico against Piva. So, you know. <laughs> so, we'll see. You'll see. But um, I think that uh, Elliot – I'm, I'm going to just say that I, I've heard some information I think Askarov's going to want it more on Saturday night. And I think that uh, Elliot is on the verge of getting cut. I, when you look at, what's his UFC ranking? Three and three eight and six or some or shit. Three and, like, I, I think he's a tough kid. I think, yeah, he can come to fight at times. But long term, uh, but I'll say at least he's dog money. So if, you, if you're a fan of Tim Elliott, at least he's dog money. But he's a guy that you, you know how I feel about Tim Elliott. That I feel like he's unreliable. I feel like he's got too much credit in the MMA game reason for some reason at flyweight. I think he's an average scrambler at best. And uh, I'll take Askarov for decision. Now next up in the featherweight division, we got uh, what should be a barn burner between Andre Feely, he's 20-6, and six, and Sodiq Youssef, who's 10-1. and one. 
Currently, they got Sodiq Youssef minus 145. The comeback on Andre Feely is plus 125. Uh, Shaq, look, I have a feeling someone might hit the deck in this one. Uh, who you got? Man, this uh, this could have easily opened up the pay-per-view, but hey, we get it. Uh, ESPN. Yeah, but this is ESPN, so this is gonna this is gonna get those pay-per-view numbers in. Man, this is a good fight. Feely is coming. They both fought Shaman Marais, and Feely uh, knocked him out in the first round, but one could say he got uh, Sadiq's third round remains uh, off Shaman's chin. Oh, Shaman's chin. So, you know, uh, this is a good fight. Feely, look, Feely's been around for a long time. We already know what he brings to the table. He's got many, you know, he's got either, he's got two different styles. You know, he can either uh, sit back, jab, play it safe, time doubles on you, and win on points. Or uh, we know that he can be, he can move forward th and throw that vicious right high kick. And that right high kick is money, you know. There's no guarantees that if that right high kick lands on uh, the back of Sadiq's head that he's not going to get wobbled. I mean, uh, even though Sadiq uh, knocked out Mowgli Benitez his last fight, let's not forget Andre knocked Mowgli Benitez out like four, three, four years ago. So, you know, uh, Andre Philly's a, what I like to call an elite gatekeeper. You know, I don't ever think he'll ever be in the title picture. Uh, I don't think his, I think his potential is maybe bottom half of the top 15 possibly if he wins this fight you know we'll see um so this is the ultimate test for Sadiq you know Sadiq's getting the hardest gatekeeper test that he could get at 145 I mean he could have got some other guys but hey he's getting feely and feely you know usually when he runs into trouble is it's when he gets outmatched in firepower you know when he fought Calvin Qatar when each guy got hit there was a big difference <laughs> in the reactions I mean when Calvin hit him Andre was like holy shit <laughs> and and we know that Calvin ended up winning a, a decision there. Uh, we saw in his fight recently against Michael Johnson that it was a, such a evenly matched fight. It was a battle of the straight left on Feely's chin and the uh, and the right high kick for him on Michael Johnson. And it just seemed like he he failed to make an adjustment. He kept le uh, letting Michael land that straight uh, that straight left. And I also think he got very emotional in the lead up to that fight. You know, we can't forget that Michael was making a, uh, some good points. I mean, Michael said that you you are taking advice from a guy that got knocked out against me. So, <laughs> but, uh, so you know, I think he got in Feely's head a little bit. But once again, Feely, this is the. This would be, you know, somewhat the best stretch of his career. Usually, remember when Philly couldn't string two wins together? You remember when he used to go uh, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss? So, I will definitely say Philly. This is the best version of his career, uh, version of uh, of his career. But Sadiq Yusuf is one of these kids that I'll I'll pick him in this spot just because I feel like his potential can be so high, and I feel like his firepower on any given day. If this guy touches your chin, he, you might possibly go to sleep. I know Andre Philly for the most part has a good chin. He's only been knocked out once in the UFC, but I've seen him wobbled several times in fights like Miles Jury the uh, a couple fights ago when he fought Dennis Bermudez. What happened in those? late rounds when uh dennis was closing that distance in that third round and definitely slowed down i feel like sadiq's possibly got better cardio i feel like sadiq's honestly better in most areas the only issue you got to be concerned of is sadiq's chin look he has been dropped and wobbled several times in his career uh it, it is what it is i mean some of these uh vicious power strikers they gotta have one flaw man and i feel like his flaw is definitely his chin we seen seen him get rocked uh against luis gomez by being too overly aggressive and not respecting but i have a feeling that he respects andre philly i have a feeling that just due to andre philly's resume that sadiq respects him and i feel like he's gonna play things a lot more safer and he's gonna let the knockout generate uh you know a, a little bit more easier as in comparison to mowgli benitez when he's 
sees these guys, he probably thinks like, bro, I'm gonna knock this guy the fuck out right away. Uh, when you know when he's fighting Suman Matarian, I mean, he's like, come, come on, dude. And uh, Shaman Marais, uh, you know, that was a very good fight. Sadiq won the first round. Uh, was calf kicking Shaman. Sadiq's one of the best calf kickers in the UFC, and we've seen that Andre Feely at times can struggle with the calf kick defense. I mean, guys have gotten gotten on his legs. Shaman Marais was in the process of getting on his legs, but hey, he got knocked out. I think Sadiq's the better fighter. I respect Andre Feely, so if you got that dog money on him at plus 140, 150, I don't blame you. But I think Sadiq, honestly, has the best performance of his career just out of the respect that he has for Andre Feely. I think he plays things a lot more safe and gets the win. Yeah, look, Andre Feely's been in the UFC since 2013, and he's finally in his prime. So the guy's very long for the weight class at 5'11 with a 74-inch reach. You have to respect the experience of Andre Feely. He's literally been in there with all the best guys from the weight class. I mean, we're talking about Holloway, Calvin Cater, Yair Rodriguez. And one thing I like about his game is how well-rounded he is. I mean, I've seen Andre Feely knock people out with head kicks, but I've also seen him blast double D1 wrestlers. So Feely's skill set should not be slept on. My biggest concern for Feely in this fight is his willingness to get into a firefight and as a fan, I love that quality, but as an analyst or a betting man, I think it could cost him big here for someone with the pure power of Sodiq Yusuf. Another thing I noticed about Feely is he doesn't like to check leg kicks, and we know Sodiq brings a very heavy calf kick game to the table, so it'll be interesting to see how Feely responds to that. And, you know, it's funny because I actually picked Shaman to defeat Feely in his last fight, and uh, it's funny because... After I picked Shaman, I found out like a day later that Andre's dad was just released from prison and he was actually going to be in attendance for Feely's homecoming fight in Sacramento. Like the day before. And it was, and it was at that moment, Shaq, that I knew I was fucked. <laughs> Brilliant performance by Feely that night. And with Sodiq, he's an extremely talented prospect that we've been high on since before his UFC debut. We had him on half the battle back when he was an undefeated prospect. Sodiq is very well-rounded, but what he's most well-known for is his pure Nigerian power. When I say this guy can crack, I firmly believe that despite only having three fights in the UFC, Sodiq Yusuf's one of the hardest hitters in the entire 145-pound division. I love his calmness in the pocket as well as his in-fight adjustments. The guy's fight IQ is very on point. Also, he's one of the most well-conditioned athletes I've ever seen. If he gets rocked, he can usually recover right away. Sodiq's conditioning program is on another level. He does something called square fit. If you go to Sodiq's YouTube page, you can see clips of the extremely intense work he does. And I, I highly recommend you do. Now, while there's always a chance it's first UFC L time, I really think Sodiq Yusuf brings something special to the table here. I mean... We've seen in past fights that power has been an issue for Feely, and I'm not even referring to the Yair Rodriguez fight where he got knocked out. How about the step-through right hand from Calvin Cater? I know you remember that, Shaq. Even a point fighter who's not known for his KO power in Miles Jury was able to successfully drop Feely. So as much as I respect Andre Feely as a fighter and as a human, I believe Sodiq Yusuf presents a lot of stylistic issues in the pocket and will eventually find the chin of the veteran and put him away. I'm going Sodiq Yusuf for the win. Now next up, we got a matchup between Macy Barber, she's 8-0, and Roxanne Modafferi is 23-16. Currently, they got Macy Barber minus 900. The comeback on Roxanne Modafferi is plus 600. Uh, I'll keep it short and sweet. Look, Roxanne has definitely come a long way. I mean, at one point, she was considered the laughingstock of women's MMA when she lost six fights in a row, most of them in embarrassing fashion, including a couple slam KO losses to Sarah Kaufman and Jessica Riccosi. But since that point, Shaq, 
She's actually gone on to defeat fighters such as Andrea KGB Lee, and most recently, she defeated a Shevchenko. Hey, I know it's not Valentina, but she still went out there and beat a Shevchenko in Russia. Macy Barber brings big punching power to the table, especially for this weight class of standards, and it's been a while since I've seen a young lady swing so ferociously, and I love that about her. I think Macy Barber is going to go out there and knock out Roxanne Modafferi in the first round, check. Yeah, you know, I got respect for Roxanne, but I feel like her last fight, uh, I think that's going to be more of a trend with her moving forward at her age. I think she had a great run. Uh, you know, like you said, rebounded herself after being the laughing stock of MMA to go out there. She was one of one of my upsets of the year, you know, with that upset against Shevchenko. I mean, everyone, I remember people were betting Shevchenko, uh, you know, under... <laughs> under people were taking out loans to bet Shevchenko. You know, straight... So that was great. Uh, I feel like it's kind of hit a cap of what she can do. I mean, what more can you expect? She's a big underdog for a reason. Her last fight against Jennifer Maya, I mean, she got Molly Wap 30-26. So I think uh, Macy Barber comes in here and, and, and steamrolls her. Macy Barber, I love uh, how she can fight in both stances, lefty or righty, her feints. Now she's at Rufus Bar with Duke, and uh, GM3 is working with her. Askren's working on her on, on her wrestling. Yeah, she, she should come in here and knock out Roxanne. Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got a matchup between the former lightweight champion Anthony Showtime Pettis, he's 22 and 9, and Carlos Diego Ferreira is 16 and 2. Currently, they got Diego Ferreira minus 230, and the comeback on Anthony Showtime Pettis is plus 190. Well, Shaq, it's not often you see that kind of plus money next to Anthony Pettis's name, but we got to mention this isn't public steam. The odds makers open Diego Ferreira at minus 240. Clearly, they have a strong opinion. What's yours? Anthony Pettis, a legend of the sport, but uh, at this point, he's got to be recycled, recycled goods. I mean, we know that he hasn't been the same since the Dos Anjos fight, in which I actually predicted that Dos Anjos would dethrone him that night, and uh, you know he went out there and whipped his ass, but then he. I mean, I don't have to. I mean, they're pretty much everyone in the top uh, top ten. What's the Eddie Alvarez quote? I mean, Eddie said, if, <laughs> you, if you want to be, you know, in the top ten, and you, you got to beat Anthony Pettis. I mean, that's just facts. So, I think that at this point, Showtime is just taking. Uh, for the most part, he's been taking these fun fights. You know, the Diaz fight, the Wonder Boy fight, going back and forth in weight. Um, we know that he's been left in severe pools of blood in some of his last few fights, and he's found his way out of those fights, and that's just facts. I'm not saying that he won it. I mean, he actually quit and like, you know, and I, and I, I mean, look, if you look at how much blood was in that Dustin fight, I don't blame him. If you look how much blood, uh, how that Tony fight was ending, I don't blame him. His last fight could have got stopped as well against Diaz. I mean, he turned his back multiple times, uh... I mean, it could have been stopped there. I feel like the Wonder Boy fight, that was a, a great knockout, and he's definitely got that ability, the Showtime type of knockouts, but now he's taking this fight. This is a different type of fight. This isn't a fun fight. This is a... I feel like a uh, a fight for maybe for Carlos Diego to potentially get his name out there to finally become a household name. Carlos Diego has been on the scene grinding for a very long time. Carlos Diego, you know, people forgot about him when he had that two-year USADA suspension, but then he came back, knocked out Gordon as a plus 200-something underdog. Then he comes back against Rustam Kabilov in Prague, Czech Republic on Euro turf and beats him by decision. And whoop, I mean, cause, I mean he had to beat him by decision because it was so one-sided that the judges were like, we can't even give it to you there is you're like sorry bro like he whooped your ass and tysonov pretty much everyone counted him out and that's about tysonov oh my god you know Marbeck, uh the austrian you know sensation and he's knocking out all these guys and carlos diego absolutely walked him down ate all of his power shots and continued to walk him down the entire time and he molly whopped him uh there was a 10-8 round i believe so 
I'm super impressed with Carlos Diego Ferreira. I've, I've, I've always had a ton of respect for him, even back when he fought Benil Dariush and when he fought Dustin Poirier. I mean, he had to take a stumbling block, and then he bounces back and knocks off the hype prospect in OAM at the time, knocks off the hype prospect Gordon at the time. All those dudes were hype prospects at the time. But now this is a spot for him to get his name out there. I think he does. Look, I like uh, everyone loves Showtime, but in this particular fight, Carlos Diego will definitely outvolume him. Carlos Diego, you got to assume that he's the tougher guy mentally. Anthony Pettis, like I said, he's been finding his way out of all these fights, and these guys are consistently pressuring him, getting his back on the fence, and they're teeing off on him. Dustin, Tony, Diaz, they're all doing the same thing, cornering him, and they're absolutely teeing off on him, leaving him in a pool of blood. Wonder Boy is a little different fight. Wonder Boy likes to back up. Wonder Boy likes to play things safe a little bit. I Wonder like, Boy didn't train for that <laughs> fight. I don't think Wonder Boy took him seriously for that fight. And, uh, you know, I feel like Pettis' only shot to win this fight is by a, a, a flashy KO, and he's done it many times. He might, but I feel like that's a very good case for Carlos Diego coming into the spot. All he has to do is avoid going down, and he for sure wins this fight, in my opinion. He's got too much volume. He's got better boxing, better wrestling, better jujitsu. Showtime still doesn't stuff takedowns. Showtime still keeps his back on the fence. Showtime still quits in every fight. Uh, I think as long as Carlos doesn't go down, he wins this fight. This is where he finally gets his name out there. And yeah, Carlos has been hurt to the body a couple times. So, But the guy's so persistent. He's so, he moves forward. He doesn't take any steps back. I think Coach Safe probably put together a really good game plan uh, for this fight. You saw in the countdown show, Safe ain't playing games, man. He was my coach of the year. So I think that Carlos uh, Diego Ferreira comes out here and 30-26 is Anthony Pettis. Look, we've been very high on Ferreira since his UFC debut. And when you talk about legit Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you're talking about Carlos Diego Ferreira. I mean, the kind of black belt this guy is. This is a guy that beat Gary Tonin in a pure jiu-jitsu match. And go to YouTube and look it up. Such smoothness and dominance from Diego on the mat. I know y'all remember when we cashed that plus 265 on Diego against OAM. And I love the fact that despite his uh, jiu-jitsu credentials and ability, the guy loves to bang. And who would have thought that not only he'd beat a guy like Merbek Taisumov, who allegedly had a speed and power advantage going into the fight, but to beat a guy like that for three straight rounds on the feet, very, very impressive. And Diego pushes a ferocious pace with his volume. And if you start to slow down on a guy like Carlos Diego Ferreira, he will tee off on you. And just to go back to the black belt talk real quick, because... I know Pettis is a black belt too. It's just a different caliber. Look, with Diego, you're talking about a guy that can tie your arm behind your back and pound your head in. You're talking about a guy that if he had two more seconds, he would have choked Rustam to sleep. I mean, if him and Rustam were wearing the geese shack, it would have been over so quick and that choke attempt was absolutely nasty. The kid just loves to fight, truly seems like he loves his job. With Pettis, he's an amazing fighter, and his KO wins over Wonderboy and Cowboy Cerrone, as well as his submission wins over Charles Oliveira and Mike Chiesa, I bring those up because he can beat guys at their own game. I do have to say, however, I don't think Pettis has had that same fire or intensity since the loss to RDA. He's gone 4-6 and six since that fight, 4-7 and seven if you include that fight, and it seems like if you put the pressure on Pettis and don't succumb to his big kicks, he does wilt a bit. So it's almost like he's just content to get the six-figure paycheck and move on to the next. I mean, I can't say I blame him. The guy's accomplished everything there is to accomplish. WEC champ, UFC champ, defender the UFC belt, Wheaties box. So there's not much more to do except for fun fights for the fans. So I think if Diego doesn't get finished by a big shot, he will eventually break Pettis with his pressure and get his arm raised. Now next up in the strawweight division, we got a showdown between Claudia Gadelia. She's 17-4 and, 
and Alexa Grasso is 11 and 3. Currently, they got Claudia Gadelia minus 115 and Alexa Grasso is minus 105. Well, Shaq, it initially opened minus 190 for Claudia Gadelia, but all the action has been coming in on Alexa Grasso. A lot of people thought she won that fight against Carla Esparza. A lot of people have been seeing the improvement she's making. Do you think it's enough to come out here and overcome uh, the former number one contender? This is a great fight. Claudia looked really good her last fight against Marcos. Some people think Alexa beat Esparza. If you go back and look at my tweet from that night, I actually scored the fight for Esparza. I said she for sure won the first two rounds. Uh, in the third round, when I rewatched it, I don't think the fight was as close to being stopped as people think. I know she wobbled her, but it wasn't like she went to a knee or got floored or anything. She stayed standing, uh, and then it was uh, yeah, it was a nice armbar attempt, but she did get out of it. So you know, <laughs> one judge had it uh, a ten eight round, which led to a draw, but the other two kept it two to one. So I think they got it right down there in Mexico City. No robbery in my eyes. I think Alexa definitely is getting better in her last two fights against Carolina and uh, Esparza, but. I feel like this is a little bit of, uh, once again, a little bit too much credit. Like, I think that, yeah, she's making improvements, but she didn't pass that test against Esparza. There was time, multiple times in that fight where she was supposed to take over when Esparza's ugly, sloppy punches were, uh, you know, Esparza's a little bit gassed down there in the elevation. But Alexa sat there and just didn't throw as much as she should. She kept getting taken down with these takedowns from halfway across the cage. I mean, she kept going jujitsu in spots where she should have been trying to get up. She had a uh, significant amounts of time on her back. Even when she rocked her, she went to her back after that. So I feel like Alexa, you know, she's a cute girl, very nice. But I feel like people fall in love with that a little bit too much and, and kind of stray away from the facts. The facts is she, her takedown defense is still somewhat of an issue. She goes jujitsu in every type of scrambling situation. And and now she's taking a fight against Gadelia, top five. You know, I feel like she should have probably taken a small step back after that fight. You know, fight uh, Angela Hill or something. Or That's a perfect fight know, for Grasso. Uh, man, we can think of a lot of girls. But instead, I know she has a big name. I'm sure she's getting paid a lot of money. So I'm, she's got a fight. Unfortunately, I feel like she's kind of in a, in a lose-lose situation here. I personally agree more towards the opening line. I feel like Claudia Gadelia gets a bad rap because the Joanna fight and yeah she definitely got whooped on in those late rounds but what happened in the early rounds that's not for let's show let's show claudia she's a pioneer in this division and i feel like potentially she might have a second life or a second uh stretch in her career not saying that she's gonna make it to a title fight or anything but i feel like she can put a couple uh get back on another winning streak you know i feel like her last fight she looked the most calm she's ever been training with her new team mark henry down there in new jersey and and the the fact that I know the camp switch changed, if you look at the her past coaching team, it's so yes man, it's so too nice. And her fight against Nina Androff, no offense to those guys, but I don't think those guys uh, are experienced enough to handle someone on her caliber. I feel like it was one of those things of those small gyms getting a big fight. Those people are actually Jordan Espinosa's people. Uh, <laughs> so, but uh, I just feel like they're uh, they just didn't really know how to manage her that bell. And I feel like Mark Henry and Ricardo will. I feel like uh, Grasso, yeah, she might have. Slightly faster hands, but not enough to like make this a big difference in the fight. I feel like Claudia can close the distance on her, impose her physical strength on Grasso, and I'm not convinced that Grasso can stuff any double legs on uh on uh 
Cody Gadelia. You know, we're talking about Carla Esparza and some of those takedowns she was getting not really being that impressive. But you know who took Carla Esparza down at will and mounted her and had her in guillotines and, you know, all type of shit? That was Claudia Gadelia. And that was one of the more sloppier performances of Gadelia's uh, career. And she still won that fight. So I feel like the Androv fight was more so of uh, Androv was landing a lot of calf kicks and fake calf kicks to the, to the, uh, to the kick up like the end zone and kick a little bit and uh it was kind of throwing Gadelia off she still got takedowns multiple times in that fight it was just the timing of the takedowns were with a minute left and she lost a slight decisions but her last fight she controlled that fight from start to finish I feel like that's the more ver that's the version we're gonna see of her um I feel like Grasso's not ready for this level she's not ready for the top five still in my opinion I think she can get there eventually she's still young she's got plenty of time but I don't think as of Saturday night she's going to be ready I think Gadelia has a huge advantage in the in the grappling department if Grasso tries to go uh jujitsu in those scrambles like how she did against Esparza it's going to be it could be over quick with uh, Gadelia I mean we saw what happened when she fought Carolina the good version of Carolina I mean she finished her right away so I got Gadelia here by 30-27 I think she uh wins every round and uh, and moves on in the starway division yeah, look, this should be a great stylistic matchup. Striker versus Grappler on paper. Claudia has the jiu-jitsu black belt in this matchup. And Alexa is known for her boxing. Obviously, she's out of Mexico, fights with a lot of spirit. But one thing I like about Alexa that a lot of people don't often mention is her love for jiu-jitsu. Look, I love jiu-jitsu. She loves jiu-jitsu. And a lot of people criticize the takedown defense of Alexa Grasso. And I understand why. But I think the part they ignore is how overconfident Alexa is in her jiu-jitsu. Look, she's okay sacrificing bottom position in order to attempt sweeps or attack with subs. And in certain fights, it'll work and you have to admire her tenacity. But here versus Claudia Gadelia, that might be her undoing, Shaq, because when you're dealing with a black belt versus a purple belt, if you're the purple belt, I don't recommend going to your back so freely and just accepting bottom position. I think that's going to be Alexa Grasso's undoing here, man. I mean, look, Obviously, the cardio concerns could be an issue late if Gadelia expends a lot of energy and can't get Grasso out of there. And, but in a three-round fight, I think she can steal at least two of the rounds with takedowns and top control. But honestly, man, I'm not going to be surprised to see Claudia get a submission here. So I got Claudia Gadelia for the win. Now, next up in the heavyweight division, we got a matchup between Maurice Green, he's 8-3, and, and Alexei Olenek is 57-13-1. Currently, they got Maurice Green minus 135. The comeback on Alexei Olenek is plus 115. Shaq, this is a heavyweight fight, and I have a feeling there's no chance it goes the distance, but oftentimes when I say things like that, they might hug each other for three straight rounds, but I have a feeling it goes under one and a half. Uh, what are you thinking, man? Who you got? Yeah, this is a great fight. Maurice Green coming off a vicious knockout loss against Sergei Pavlovich. I'll go ahead and say there, Sergei Pavlovich, man. This guy might be... Uh... I think he already is ranked, if I'm not mistaken, but man, keep, keep an eye out for him. I know he got KO'd stiff by Overeem, but Pavlovich is the real deal, so I'm not going to knock Green too much for that loss, but you got to, even though uh, Alexi got knocked out against uh, Walt Harris, guys that, you know, just physically speaking are way better than him, um, the Overeem fight, and, you know, it just seems like I wouldn't be shocked if the end retirement was in this in the near future, as in the end of the by the by this year. I mean, the guys had how many fights? He's been fighting since the nineties. I mean, how you know? How, what more could he ask for? He had a great run, man. The bow Ezekiel chokes. I mean, I think Alexi probably is done. The only issue is Green. They matched him up with a a, a 
a guy that just hasn't really done a lot and he's only three fights into into his UFC career. So, you know, Maurice Green, although I called, I have been in the past to call him uh, Black Travis Brown, 6'7", even though he said uh, he sucked at basketball. <laughs> 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 but, uh, you know, I think that it could possibly, Maurice Green could definitely possibly come in here and knock him out right away like he did Junior Albini. I mean, he's got the skills, he's got the length, he's got the power for sure. It's just, I really don't know too much about his grappling. I know he's got some subs against some bums like uh, the Cuban guy on Tough and Alexi Olenek, man. He's got 40-something submissions, so you got to figure he's got the edge in the grappling. It's just Alexi's been kind of on these, I don't want to call them suicide missions, but like... <sighs> It's kind of alarming. It's like, 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 wait, no, no. It's like like a Garbrandt or a Duho mission. Like, no, kid, no. Uh, so I'm going to pick Maurice Green by a first-round knockout. But, you know, sometimes him, at, a guy like him at Slight Shot can be a little sketchy. kind of really hasn't proven himself. He only beat Jeff Hughes by split, and we know the that Jeff Hughes, uh, I think he's on his way to getting a pink slip. I think he's got a fight, if I'm not mistaken. So he should be on his way to getting a pink slip here soon. And then uh, and then his fight with uh, Junior Albini, hey, at least he took care of business in the first round. Uh, but I'll pick him here just because it seems like he's got a little bit left more. That's all. You know, I, I don't fully trust his ground. I just don't know enough about his ground game, but I think he's got good enough stand-up to get his knock to get this knockout. Look, although Green has a 5-inch height advantage, the reach is actually identical. They both have 80-inch reaches apiece, and someone is most likely getting finished in this fight, Shaq. Uh, this is actually Alexei's 72nd pro fight uh documented because between you and me he probably has like 30 more that we don't know of i mean dude's a total badass and while conventional wisdom says it's either a ko for green or a sub for olenek don't forget we've seen uh, alexei knock people out too i know you remember when he knocked jared roshall out and also with green i've seen him uh, submit opponents off his back but the bottom line is i do see someone getting the finish here and that's what's the toughest uh, part for me to predict man it's who will be taking a nap on Saturday night? I've literally been going back and forth on this one like almost every day. Uh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll the dice, flip a coin, and I'm going to land on uh, Alexi Olenek via rear naked choke finish. Co-main event of the evening. We got a matchup between Holly Holm, she's 12-5, and five, and Raquel Pennington is 10-7. and seven. Currently, they got Holly Holm minus 135, and the comeback on Raquel Pennington is plus 115. Well, Shaq, uh, these two have met before. It went to split decision the first time. Now they meet again. Who you got? Raquel had a nice win against Irene in her last fight. Uh, it kind of seemed like she was done going into that fight with her two performances. The Amanda fight, you know, we know what happened in that fight. It was kind of sad. She told her corner, I, look, I don't want to go back out there. They sent her back out there anyways. And you can't be doing shit like that when you're fighting Nunes. But then she takes the fight against GDR in her home in her home state and misses Wade and just has an uninspiring performance. You know, GDR won every round. But hey, uh, you know, the Irene fight, she seemed a little bit more lively. It seemed like she wanted a little bit more. Raquel, she is a 9-7 and seven fighter, but we know that she, when she, you know, is on, she can be a tough chick. She can move forward. She can bully. She can break some girls so her last fight with Holly she clearly won the third round I watched it the other day man she 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 just didn't throw enough and Holly Holm has a lot more volume than Raquel and Raquel it's not that she can't box because she can it's just that for every one shot 
that she lands, Holly Holmes made already four sounds. You know, <laughs> I don't think Holly Holmes' sound game is effective against the upper elite, uh, the elite elite female fighters, aka Amanda Nunes, aka Valentina Shevchenko, aka Jermaine Durandamy, and uh, Chris Cyborg. So if she can get lesser a competition, and I I do consider Raquel in that next tier down in the same tier with home. The longer this fight goes, basically I feel like the differences from the first fight to this fight is. Kali Holmes grappling is definitely a lot better you know now we're seeing her be a little bit more of a threat in the clinch and back when they fought the first time Raquel had the advantage in that area so I feel like uh, Holly Holmes definitely evolved I can say she's evolved in a fight like this you know she was going head up against GDR and Amanda and then might be like oh, sweetheart she's got no chance but I actually think she's gonna win this fight by decision I definitely think it could be 1-1 one, one, one of those type of fights I just don't have enough conviction in Raquel just due to the volume. I just feel like she can be a little uh, flat-footed at times, you know, struggle to let things go a little bit. But maybe she's picking up in a group. Maybe that Arena win, which a lot of people didn't think she was going to win. Maybe that gives her the confidence she is a little streaky. Raquel's one of the harder chicks to predict because, you know, she does possibly have that mean streak in her to do it i gotta pick holly i think she's just a better fighter slightly i think it's right uh, accurately lined to slight favorite to holly home she's you know only losing to the top girls in the sport so i won't knock her i will i think she is on her way out but you know if you give her a lesser competition i think she could do better look i bet pennington the first time at plus 525 odds and one judge thought we won the fight one huge misconception about this fight is that Holly Holm lands more volume, and it's actually completely untrue, as it's actually Raquel who throws at a higher clip and is the more accurate striker. But that being said, the technique of Holm is definitely a bit crisper, especially with the setup of her kicks. But since the first time they fought, man, Holm has gone 4-5, and five and Rocky has gone 5-2. and two. Also, Rocky is only 31, while Holly is pushing 40, so... I will take Raquel to edge out a very close decision this time just by being the more active fighter that's moving forward the entire time. Main event of the evening in the welterweight division. This is going to be unbelievable because we got the return of the notorious Conor McGregor. He's 21-4 and and Donald Cowboy Cerrone is 36-13. and I'm going to take this one first, man. And let's start off with Donald Cerrone. Most wins in UFC history at 23. Most finishes in UFC history at 16. Most post-fight bonus awards in UFC history at 18. Most fights in UFC history at 33, which is about to be 34 this weekend, by the way. Most knockdowns in UFC history at 20. Donald Cerrone is a certified legend and future Hall of Famer. Throughout his career, Cerrone has won 10 fights via knockout, 17 fights via submission, and 9 via decision. And it's funny, Shaq, because at one point early in his UFC career, Cowboy didn't have that many knockouts on his record because he'd usually drop guys and then choke them. But man, this guy is such a legend. I remember in high school coming home to watch Donald Cerrone versus James Krause throw down in WEC. You guys have to watch that fight. It's an amazing one-round brawl. I'm a big fan of those one-round fights. That's one of my favorite ones, Cerrone versus Krause. And to see what he's become today, it's, it's truly something special. And I couldn't think of a more deserving guy than Donald Cowboy Cerrone to get that red panty night against uh, Conor McGregor. The only thing eluding Donald Cerrone is a UFC title, but honestly, whether he wins one or not, his future 100% belongs in the UFC Hall of Fame. Now, as far as a path to victory in this fight, Cerrone actually has a few, man. And 
I think people forget how good Cerrone's wrestling truly is. And just to put it in perspective, Cerrone has landed 22 takedowns in his UFC career. In some fights, I've seen him shoot right away, like in the Alex Hernandez fight where he body locked him 30 seconds into the fight en route to breaking the kid and cashing a nice uh, plus 170 underdog bet to start off 2019. Other times, Cerrone likes to bang it out, and if the opening is there, he can certainly change levels and mix it up. And on the mat, Cerrone is a black belt and is extremely opportunistic with his submission and his sweeps. And I truly believe if Donald Cerrone takes Conor McGregor's back one time, the fight will be over shortly after. That being said, I mean, how cool would it be if Donald Cerrone head kicked and choked Connor? Tell me you wouldn't get up on your feet for that, man. And as far as the notorious, he holds a good amount of records himself. Fastest title fight victory in UFC history at 13 seconds versus Jose Aldo, which we successfully cashed on big. First Irish-born UFC champion, first simultaneous multi-division UFC champ, most consecutive bonuses in UFC history at eight. That's quite a stretch right there. Think about that for a second. Eight fights in a row, always getting that cheddar. Not to mention he's the highest paid fighter in the game. When McGregor is at his best, obviously his left hand has always been a huge factor in his 18 career knockouts, but what I really love is the mental warfare he brings to the table. If you're not 100% on your game when you fight a guy like Conor McGregor, not only will you be overwhelmed by the moment, but the guy is like a sniper and he will take you clean out. I'd really love to know which version of McGregor we're getting here, man. The reason I say that is because he hasn't won a fight since 2016. And just to put that in perspective, Shaq, Joanna and Tyron Woodley were champions back when Conor won his last bout. The motivation is a big question for me because not only has he accomplished basically everything you can do in MMA... The guy also got a cool uh, 100 mil against boxing goat uh, Floyd Mayweather, or as we like to say in Brazil, Shaq, Floyd Mayweather, and uh, you really have to love this game to come back after getting that kind of dough, and honestly, it seems, at least from his interviews, that he is back in love with the game, so that's a good sign, but that being said, what happens if he gets in one bad spot here on the mat? I think even the best version of McGregor has a weakness uh, in defensive positions on the ground. And let me explain what I mean by that. I am in no way saying that McGregor has no ground game or that McGregor doesn't train jiu-jitsu, not even close. I am, however, saying that McGregor is what we like to call a bully on the mat. And what I mean by that is, if he's dominating, he's going to be great. But if you put this guy in one bad spot on the mat, I don't know what it is, Shaq, but he panics. And I've seen it happen more than once. I've seen it happen more than twice. I've seen it happen more than thrice. I've seen it four times in his MMA career. I've seen him panic and quick tap on the mat. Cerrone only needs one good back tick or mount to finish this fight. Or, or a head kick too, Shaq. On the feet, McGregor's southpaw stance and his ability to dictate the pace and range of the fight will be very interesting. I believe he's going to mix big shots up top as well as to the body where many people have criticized Cerrone in the past for having a weakness. And ultimately... If we get the best versions of both fighters, I've personally always thought Conor McGregor would win this specific fight. It's just that I imagine this one taking place three years ago, man. Not now after all he's been through. So I'm very curious as to what happens, but I got to go with my gut and I will take the notorious Conor McGregor, but I'm not going to disrespect a legend like Cerrone and I will definitely be on my feet regardless who wins this fight because you know it's about to be a highlight reel finish or a fight of the year. Cerrone, uh, 
like you said, legend of the sport, but I do feel like Father Time, you know, will start to catch up to him. It has caught up to him. Uh, definitely his last fight. It seemed like a lot of action was coming in on him, his last fight. And I disagree. I felt like, you know, he was coming back too soon off the Tony fight. I get it. He's cowboy, you know, quote unquote, I know a guy. But when you look at how viciously he got stiffened against Gaethje, you know, McGregor's definitely the fresher guy in terms of uh, health, man. Uh, and that's just facts. I know he, he did take that boxing fight, but it's been some years. He should be combat ready. The thing with McGregor is I definitely have questions about the motivation uh, and just the, the conviction in his voice. You know, back then, man, he could sell you on something easily. Kind of before the Khabib fight, when you see him acting that crazy up there, you know, then I finally started to realize, I mean, there's a chance this guy uh, completely just goes off the deep end, man. When you got $100 million, when you, I know he's been clean the last few months, but when you have some of those party habits that he, you know, was having when he initially got the hundred million. I mean, you can do severe damage to yourself, uh, especially while these guys have been fighting, man. So, like you said, the last time he uh, was champ, Joanna was a champ, Woodley was a champ, Demetrius was a champ. Uh, <laughs> you know, Cruz might have been a champ, <laughs> but uh, you know. So I think that Connor definitely. In his prime with a Noxeroni out stiff, and he still probably is going to. But we know that McGregor's issue is not even the ground game; it's the fatigue. The fatigue leads into into him having the brown and the, leads into him having the bad ground game uh, and him making those mistakes on the mat. It's all the fatigue is all that uh, the the initial issue there because we know that he relies on this dynamic type of striking style. You know, hands down, very loose all on timing and the, and the concern is you know he hasn't been in the cage and that is it's that that fighting style needs uh needs reps it needs uh he needs to have his timing on point man we, when he was in his prime when he was fighting frequently we knew that he was a big problem because we know that his timing was pinpointing that he would probably knock these guys out so those are my concerns but i feel like this is the perfect this is the perfect definition of a tune-up fight for him not no in no disrespect to cerrone but i just feel like cerrone um, is also another one of these legends that we've come to know and love, kind of like a Frankie Edgar, kind of like a Chris Weidman, kind of like, uh, even though he never touched a belt, but, you know, these legends that we've been watching forever, but man, I, I truly believe that he's getting up there in age and that we've seen, we've already seen the best of him. No offense to Cowboy Cerrone, but I think he's going to get knocked out here, uh, probably in the first round. I think McGregor's going to come in fresh. Um, the thing is, it's going to be interesting to see if this hits the late rounds, man. But McGregor, he's, he's, uh, willed him, let's not forget he won the, a five round decision against Diaz, you know, so he made the adjustments in the, in the rematch at 170. So we can't knock him for that, even though he, he did gas out again, but Hey, he mentally stayed in there. He came prepared. I think he gets the win here by knockout. I respect Cerrone, but we've seen so many times in the past, this guy fold under the big lights whether it be against Dos Anjos, whether it be against Pettis, whether it be against Darren Till, Justin Gaethje. I mean, he has been stopped in the first round several, several times. But hey, I will say, let's see if McGregor's motivated, man. Let's see if he uh, if he really wants to, these fights with George and, and, and Khabib that he's saying. Because if he gets back in there with Khabib, you got to assume the same thing's going to happen. And he, he thinks otherwise. <laughs> and if he gets in there with George, man... You know, George uh, Street Jesus already said that he's too too man enough. So, you know, let's see what he does. Yeah, Jorge is too much man for him. <laughs> That's what Dana White said. So, actually, I was thinking about the other day, man. McGregor versus Masvidal would be one of my most anticipated fights of the year, just because of the buildup. Because you know, Jorge would go back and forth with him, and Jorge wouldn't be friends with him. Jorge would talk some real shit to him, and 
I think just put his hands behind his back. I think he'd get to him, man. <laughs> Obviously, the fight. Oh, it'd be brutal. So, and now we got to hit up Kyle Marley for the Big Marley minute. And joining us now on the Big Marley Minute is Big Marley himself. Kyle, it's going down. Conor McGregor versus Donald Cerrone, the first event of 2020. How's it going? Yeah, man, it's going great. These are two of my all-time favorite fighters to watch. Um, so I can't wait to see it. Uh, I will say right now I don't have a bet on this fight, so I will just be rooting for whatever DraftKings lineup I need the most at that time, and I'll be happy for whoever gets it done. But I can't wait for that fight. There's a couple other good ones on the card. Uh, but yeah, it's a good one to start the year with for sure. I mean, look, man, who is your heart of hearts rooting for? The reason I ask is because is you've always been a huge uh, Donald Cerrone fan. I know Cowboy's one of your all-time favorite fighters, but then you got the profile picture with McGregor. Uh, which one is it? Man, I, I think see, I, I bet both of them in almost every fight. Uh, but I, I've been I've been on Team Cerrone longer, so I'd say if if I didn't have any money or anything on on anything this weekend i would say the heart would probably be rooting for cerrone look before we start man uh there's something bigger going down than the fight this weekend it just got you just found out that you'll be expecting a baby boy pretty soon man so you know on behalf of everyone here at half the battle just like to congratulate my man big marley uh it's a huge step man thanks man i appreciate it yeah uh got a boy on the way uh so we're gonna have to upgrade the house so i have no no other option but to start winning some money this year and uh win big well let's get right down to business because in the main event we got conor mcgregor sitting at 9400 and uh kyle i'd wager that we haven't seen donald cerrone at 6800 uh price tag in a very long time what's your opinion yeah man that <laughs> the price tag on cerrone is it's kind of hard to pass up because there's no way he's gonna not be on the hundred thousand dollar lineup if he gets the win here um, if he gets the win, he's probably going to score over 90, 100 points. So he's he's the stone-cold lock for the 100K lineup if he gets the win. Whereas McGregor, it's not as much of a lock because he's so expensive. But I do think he's most likely to win early, like a first-round knockout, which would be 100-plus points. So I, I still like Conor, uh, but it, it's an all-in fight for me pretty much. I think Cerrone will probably end up being – one of the highest owned guys on the card just because that that price tag is too good to pass up on really um and so many people hate mcgregor so i might end up just going more mcgregor to be different from the field in that way um but man it's it's gonna be a close one i want a lot of each so that i have hopefully have a shot going into the fight on DraftKings because if i'm dead in the water with all my all my lineups then i, I won't even know who to root for here so Hoping, hoping I'll have something live, but I'm going to pick McGregor by first-round knockout. So in the co-main event, you got a rematch between Holly Holm and Raquel Pennington. The first time they fought, it went to split decision. Funnily enough, I actually bet on uh, Raquel at plus 500-something odds, and one judge thought we got it done. Uh, do you think Raquel can avenge that loss here in the rematch? Um, I don't. No, I think Holly's just the better striker, and I think this fight will stay out. I mean, will play out on the feet. Um, I, I see it being similar to last time. I do think Rocky's live if she can win this fight based on volume. Um, and she's she's cheap to where maybe a decision from her could get you on that 100K lineup. But on the other side with Holly, I just don't see any way she is on the 100K lineup unless she gets a, a head kick knockout here in this fight. And Rocky's pretty tough, so I don't really see it, the, the knockout happening. I see a Holly home 
29, 28, or 30, 27 decision here where she probably scores like 60 points. So this is a fight I'm really not interested in. If if you're making like three to five lineups, I would just take this out of the equation. Don't even worry about this fight and focus on ones that have a higher ceiling. But I'm going to take uh, Holly to get the win. So in the heavyweight division, you got Maurice Green taking on Alexei Olenek. Obviously, Olenek's known for that Ezekiel choke. Uh, if you take someone's back, there is a chance that uh, they will be tapping out or going to sleep. Even if you get on top of the guy, he can attack from all kinds of positions. But Maurice Green, six foot seven, known for knocking guys out. I have a feeling this one is not going the distance. Uh, which guy are you going to take in your lineups? So yeah, it's kind of the opposite of that Holly Rocky fight where I don't feel confident on either side of this fight, but it's one that we do need to be targeting because it's got a, a minus 675 fight doesn't go to decision line. So there's a good chance that this scores highly and it could be a, a green first round knockout or an Olympic first round submission. Either way, there's a good chance they end up on that optimal lineup. So this is just in general, a good fight that we should all be targeting Throw it into most of your GPPs, I would say. I want at least 50% of this fight. I'm making 150 lineups, so I'm going to have at least 75 of my lineups, um, including this fight. Uh, I will say that I'll probably have a little bit more Olenek just because he's the underdog, and, and we got to have underdogs in our lineup. So that is why I'm, I'm going to be leaning with him, and I think Green could be in some trouble if Olenek gets a hold of him. But if, if the prices were flipped here, I would probably just have more Green and hope that he gets the first-round knockout. It's all about the salary for me, that $7,800 on Olenek. It, it's pretty because if he gets the first-round submission, he's going to get 90-plus points. And and I'm down with that at that price tag. So he helps me get in guys like Connor. Um, so I'm, I'm picking him, but it might just be biased because he's cheaper on DraftKings. No real confidence. So transitioning from the heavyweight division, we go all the way down to strawweight, and you got a matchup between Claudia Gadelia and Alexa Grasso, and it's a very intriguing matchup, man. Uh, a lot of people are kind of wondering why it was a pick em, but at the same time, a lot of people also think that Grasso won her last fight against Esparza, so they're giving her a lot of credit here. There are talks of Gadelia being on some kind of decline. Uh, wh where do you stand on this? Yeah, I, I think it's... If I knew Gundela had a gas tank for three rounds here, I'd be on her pretty heavily here, I would say, because she is the wrestler. I think she has more finishing ability. If she can get a takedown in the first round, she can get a finish in that round or even rack up multiple takedowns and advances, score high in a decision that way. But if she wrestles that much in the first round, she doesn't have the gas tank late second or any of the third. So she can't just keep racking up the points. And that's that's what worries me about her. Um, stylistically, I do like her in this fight. It's just the gas tank that I'm worried about where if she wins the first round, doesn't have it left in the second to wrestle. I think Grasso is going to pick her apart on the feet for the second and third and get a decision that way. But I don't think Grasso would score heavily in that, in that scenario. I think she's probably still going to score like 65 points or something like that. We're at 7,900. We don't really need that in our lineup. So I'm not going to have too much Grasso here. And I'm just going to hope that Gadella has more of a gas tank this time and can either get a finish or wrestle for three rounds. Because at $8,300, I do think she has a pretty high ceiling. And I'll take a couple stabs at that. Uh, so I'll take Grasso here probably by decision. But depending on how much of her I have, I might be rooting for first-round submission. 
So kicking off the main card in the lightweight division, you got a matchup between the former WEC and UFC champion Anthony Showtime Pettis. He's taking on Carlos Diego Ferreira, and obviously listeners of Half the Battle know we've been high on Ferreira for a very long time. But the thing is, Kyle, I, I like betting this guy at big dog odds. You know, plus two sixty five against Olivier Aubin Mercia. You saw the odds. In some you saw the odds in some of his subsequent fights. Here, uh, the bookmaker took a position. The bookmaker made him a big favorite. So my question here is, is there value on the former champion, Anthony Showtime Pettis? Yeah, I would say there's value on him because he's $7,200. And if he gets the win here, I think it's, I think it's most likely going to be a finish from Pettis if he's able to get the win. So I like him for that reason. For the If he's going to win, he's going to score high. So boom, bust. That's what I like in my GPPs. So I will have some Pettis here, but I think this is a good fight for Diego. I just think the pressure from Diego is going to be too much for Pettis to handle, and he's going to have too much uh, time where his back's against the cage and he's defending punches. I think Diego's probably going to win a 29-28, 30-27 fight here, and it's really just the 9K price tag that I don't love on him. I, I don't see Diego getting a finish himself, um, so he might score like 80 to 90 points in a decision where I don't, I don't think that really gets it done this week. So I'm not going to be loading up on Diego here. I, I do have interest in this fight as a whole a little bit, but I would say if I'm making 10 lineups, Pettis might make two of them where Diego's only going to make one, I would say, if that. So um, it's not a fight that I'm going to fade at all, but I think it's, it's one that we can let the public target a little bit more and hope that it doesn't score highly. But I'll, I'll take say- Diego to get it done. Well, Kyle, that's why you are the DraftKings guy for half the battle. It's going down this Saturday. They can follow you at Big Marley 3, and they can get your bets and your write-ups at bestfightpicks.com. Yes, sir. Got two bets ready to go now. Um, hope on. I hope to hit them both, and the write-up will be headed your way tomorrow. Uh, got a lot of work to do still on it, but check it out if you haven't yet, guys. I think you'll like it, uh, even if you don't play DraftKings. It might help you a little bit with your gambling. It's like 40 pages long or something. It'll keep you busy. It's a good read. Uh, But good luck to everybody. Good luck to you as well. And uh, thanks for the congrats. Yes, sir. I was about to say, uh, you know, congrats again and uh, best of luck with everything. Let's get it this weekend, my man. Well, Shaq, before we answer these fan questions, let's talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So in your opinion, man, what is the fight to watch for UFC 246? Uh, my fight to watch is going to be uh, Hack Perez versus Dober. Dober's one of the more, quietly, one of the more underrated in t- uh, fighters in terms of excitement, man. This guy brings it every single time he gets in your face. He's looking for a KO, or he's going to get finished. So, And Hack Perez, I mean, what he, how he looked his last fight against Neto BJJ, I'm interested to see what he does this time, man. This guy uh, is one of Ali's, Abdelaziz is a top, uh, you know, uh, Afghani prospects and you know let's see how he does man this guy could potentially be in, in the rankings here maybe by the end of the year yeah that's definitely going to be a barn burner the one i'm looking forward to is Sodik Yusuf versus andre feely i mean tell me how that has any potential to be a boring fight talking about the knockout power of Sodik Yusuf versus the well-rounded skill set of andre feely and i say well-rounded skill set of andre feely not like Yusuf is some slouch anywhere the fight takes place and i just have a feeling someone is going to be stiff unconscious looking up at the light so uh I'm going Yusuf versus Feely for the fight to watch. Now, Shaq, 
Who is your fighter to watch for UFC 246? My fighter to watch is going to be Carlos Diego Ferreira. I think he's got a good opportunity to come in here and finally get his name out here to the masses. Uh, who better to do it against than Anthony Showtime Pettis, the guy that jumped off the cage in WEC. So, you know, I feel like Carlos Diego is finally going to get his name out there. Finally going to get appreciated. Finally going to hit those rankings and, and, and become a household name. Yeah, it's going to be a great thing to watch. And for me, my fighter to watch is O'Day Osborne. Look, this is a kid making his UFC debut. And we've scouted out these kind of prospects on Contender Series for a while now. We knew Montel Jackson was going to turn into a talent. We like that kid Omar Morales. And now O'Day Osborne, I truly have a feeling that if this kid keeps a good head on his shoulders and he keeps working hard, his natural abilities are going to carry him a long way. And I think he's got a very winnable matchup here. So for that reason, O'Day Osborne is my fighter to watch. Shaq, uh, let's answer uh, these fan questions, man. So my boy Dimitar wants to know, he's got a few questions, so let's let's answer each one individually. So first thing he said is, do you think Green can avoid grappling altogether and score a KO in the second or third round? I mean, honestly, he might be able to score one in the first round, uh, but that is the big question, if he can avoid the grappling of Oleksiy Olenek. Uh, I'm not sure if he can. Uh, I really don't know, man. Like I said earlier, that's one I've been flipping a coin on this whole time, so... Yeah, I don't have a strong opinion on it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think he could, I think the KO could come anytime. At, I mean, considering where Alexi is uh, at this stage in his career, so yeah, one hundred percent. Do you think Pettis will break in the third round due to a phantom injury or lose a decision? Hey, you mean uh, 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 a Usada piss cup inflicted cut on his thumb? <laughs> uh, do I think it's going to happen? I'll probably say no. I think he'll probably make it, but uh I mean, it's a it's a that's a funny question uh Dimitar Vasiliev. I, I like where your head's at. <laughs> And he said, uh, do you guys see anyone getting stopped in the Feely versus Yusuf fight? He sees Yusuf kicking Feely's leg off and winning a decision. Yeah, I mean, I could see a decision. But honestly, like I said, man, I think someone will be knocked out in that fight. And I can't wait. It's uh, my fight to watch. Yes, uh, I think someone is going to get stopped, uh, Dementar. My boy, Apol Rocco, said, so boys, first, can I say thanks for all the hard work? Thank you, my man. Second, I got my tickets in flight for Khabib versus Tony. Who you got? We'll get to that when we do that show, my man. And lastly, with McNuggets coach John Kavanaugh saying comments about Connor running his own camp, he knows more than all of us. Are these red flags going to the Cerrone fight? So honestly, man, I think that uh, I heard an interview with Kavanaugh, uh, and he kind of said that they kind of say some things to get a rise, and they like to talk a little bit of shit. But yeah, I do think Connor is surrounded by yes men, but I, I do think there probably was some good structure in this camp, so I wouldn't read too much into it personally. Man, Kavanaugh's a hard guy because, you know, yeah, he's got some good fighters, definitely won a lot of UFC fights. But, man, I I, I hear sometimes uh, him and McGregor butt heads a lot. You know, I feel, I've feel i heard that McGregor only writes him a check out of respect, you know, the guy that gave him a start. But uh, we'll see, man. I, I, I don't think it'll play that much a factor into the fight now. Stilio Contos wants to know, does McGregor power at 170 worry you? We saw the power... Masvidal was able to put on Diaz, causing Diaz to wilt. Connor didn't seem to have that power in both his fights at 170. Also, it it's said that Khabib weighs about 180 on fight night. Could Connor be prepping his body for a quick 155 cut so he can balloon back up to 170 range and be more competitive uh, size in the Khabib rematch? So, for, let's answer each question. So, does his power at 170 worry me? Like, 
what, what do you mean? Like, do I think it's not going to translate at, at 70? Um, I mean, I saw him drop Diaz a couple times, and Diaz is a very durable guy. So um, I would say that a, a left hand on the chin will still put someone down. And um, as far as him getting ready to to fight Khabib again, I mean, I don't think that's a good matchup for him, firstly. And I'm also not convinced Habib is willing to take that fight. Uh, he dominated him thoroughly the first time. But then again, it is a big money fight. So we just have to see how it plays out this weekend. We also have to see what happens with uh, Tony and Habib as well. Jeremy Engwer wants to know, longtime fan, you made me start my own podcast. I appreciate that, man. But I do have a question. Raquel Pennington versus Holly Holm. <laughs> is that the snooze fest fight of the week or what? Holly has had some brilliant moments, but most of her fights are just boring. I mean, dude, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Um, originally, when they were promoting this card, they showed a graphic, and it was supposed to be Carlos Diego Ferreira versus Anthony Pettis in the co-main event. But I think when you talk about the casual fans and they see that name Holly Holm, they still remember what she did to Ronda Rousey such a long time ago. And for whatever reason, even though she basically loses every fight she's in, she still has that name, man. And the casuals are going to remember that that night. It was such a big moment in the sports history. So... It could be a snooze fest. I'm hoping not because we're paying for it, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Jeffrey Smith says, love your intro on your show, especially when you say Shaq, it's going down. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much. Valerie wants to know, when are you guys posting your predictions? Right now, my guy. Nickster wants to know, how great was it seeing the Saints lose last week? It was fucking great, but it would have been even better if the Falcons could have won and uh, stayed in there, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm always rooting for the Dirty Birds. My boy Vincent Magno wants to know, thoughts on Connor being next in line for a title shot at 155 instead of Gaethje? You want to take this one, Shaq? Gaethje's got to understand it's a business. In this particular case, that if Khabib agrees to it, then it's probably going to happen. But he should just, you know, just sit back and watch Connor get his ass beat again and he'll get in there next, man. And he shouldn't take a fight with, you know, Poirier or if he's smart, he sits his ass on the sidelines uh, and just waits for his turn, man. And just get better. Yeah, I can't wait to see how the title picture plays out. But either way, I think both guys are going to get huge fights. CS says, why is Macy Barber not on the main card but four other women are? Not that you know the answer, but how do you guys feel? I mean, like... Because like she's fighting Roxanne Mataferi. She's only 21 years old. She's only got two fights... Uh, what three fights in the UFC versus the other girls are number five in the world and number top ten both of them. So uh, yeah, all four of them are top ten in the world. So I think uh, Holly Holm is definitely more of a Holly Holm's a, a casual uh, casual commodity man. Every every casual knows Holly Holm. She's got to fight on the main card co-main event just for the uh, you know the the uh, the standard soccer mom at home man. They gotta you know Holly Holly Holm. Listen, who else is going to make tennis downs for them? So, but uh, but to answer your question, man, um, this is the reason, in my opinion, because ESPN is such a huge platform that you know you could sit here and say, why is a fight like Sodiq Yusuf versus Andre Feely not on the main card, and and this and that, and the same with Macy Barber, but. What I think they're trying to do is get excitement to buy that pay-per-view because millions of people are going to be watching on ESPN, such a huge network. You go from Sodiq Youssef, then you go right to Macy Barber, and then you see a first-round knockout by Macy Barber. Hey, I'm buying that pay-per-view to see the Conor McGregor fight. So I think that's kind of what they were trying to do. And then you know, put some of the boring, you know, quote-unquote boring. I hope none of the fights are boring. I hope they're all exciting. But kind of get the boring fights on the pay-per-view so you've already bought it and you're already locked in you know what i'm saying but look i just think macy barber most likely if her past fights are any indication she's guaranteed excitement so they put her there on that espn main event slot get people invested uh in buying the pay-per-view 
Mario says T Wood versus Edwards. Who you got? Uh, probably Edwards. Yeah, I haven't looked into it, but pre-tape, I will go with Leon to break him as long as he doesn't get caught with something big. And Tom wants to know: Will Connor's cardio ever improve to where he doesn't slow down after two point five rounds, or is it just his genetics? No, it's just the, the the striking style that he has. It's very loose. It's he throws a lot of spinning heel kicks and you know uh, a lot of flashy type kicks and big power in his hands. I mean that type of sh- that's why he gets a lot of first round KOs. Not everyone can handle it. If you can handle it, then uh, he tends to slow down. Jonathan wants to know thoughts on recent videos of Connor appearing to implement a much more traditional boxing stance in recent pad hitting videos opposed to a flowy karate one um if that's the case then uh jonathan curry then things might uh maybe he's he knows this is a five rounder he needs to conserve that energy no i mean i think it's smart man i think he wants to knock out a guy like connor actually knock out a guy like cerrone and to do that you got to land some good hands on him so i wants to sit down i think he said he's looking to sit down on him (laughs) speaking of sitting down on punches y'all should watch that kevin hart you don't know shit about boxing video and tell me about tell me about when he sits down on that hook you know what i mean so some questions from twitter stewart wants to know any word on why the chaskelly fight was pulled yes um grant dawson had another usada violation actually and yeah, man, this is second time. So, hopefully, uh, you think it's a case where the kid's just, you know, his body's producing Austrian, or you think the kid was actually out there, you know what I mean, yeah, I uh, think injecting one, steroids? I think it's one of those cases. I mean, the kid's skinny, so you know, it's not <laughs> like he's got any muscle. <laughs> yeah. Jack Scott wants to know how would you line McGregor versus Cerrone if it was a three round, 155 pound fight, and how do you line it um, as of the current circumstances? Probably around the same. Uh, yeah. Yeah, something like that. Two and a half to one, three to one, something like that. Remy Brando, excuse me, Remy Brando says, non-MMA question from me again. What do you do or have you done for work in the past besides MMA betting? You want to take this one first? Uh, Some past jobs you've had, you know, until you worked up to this point? A bunch. Uh, <laughs> um, a carpenter, uh, all type of stuff, man. Uh, hard work, though like hard work work where you come home tired who asked that question remy Boy, remy yeah it's a great question uh yeah cutting wood things like that uh i actually uh was making iphone custom iphone cases for a while so <laughs> <laughs> if you you know if you ever uh need a custom iphone case hit me up remy <laughs> look man um I'm very blessed. I've always had the entrepreneurial spirit and like ever since I was a kid, I've always wanted to be my own boss and I remember when I was a little kid, me and my best friend would go knock at, you know, people's doors and ask them if they had any jobs around the house so we could make a little bit of money and then you get a little bit older, I started playing little league baseball and I would look forward to, you know, selling food at the concession shop. Oh my god, I got paid $40. Now I can go buy some Legos and then you know, I get a little bit older and I actually got into the music business for a while and I was playing drums and I was getting paid for studio sessions and I was also doing, you know, whatever it would take, whether it was giving out drum lessons, whether it was playing in theater productions. And then eventually that I was able to transition to going on tour and being able to 
do tech work, drum teching for some bigger artists and stuff like that. And then I decided to go to college, pursued a business uh, degree, got that, started my own business. So I've been trying to do the entrepreneurial thing my whole life, man. I, I got that spirit and I appreciate the question, brother. And shout out to all the hard workers out there. Ace wants to know, has anything that you've seen or heard from McGregor leading up to this fight changed your opinion about his future in the fight game? Shaq, oh, in, yeah. wait, hold on. Shaq in particular has said that McGregor is on his way out very soon with all his problems and controversies. Uh, yeah, long term, yes. Short term, no. But uh, long term, with the monsters that they got coming up at 155 these days or 170s, I mean, I do think that he's in trouble. You know, I think that he's probably going to get through this weekend. But I mean, the fights that he's asking for, we're talking about Masvidal. We're talking about Khabib. Gaethje's are out there. The, uh, you know, the Poirier rematches, the Diaz trilogies, uh, you know, that, those were, you know... Uh, but yeah, there's some tough fight. There's, there's some tough fights out there for him. I mean, he ain't fighting no regular Joe Blow. He about to fight some. Uh, Us- I mean, he's talking about Usman and Covington. <laughs> oh like, man! Like the type. Yeah. So uh, who asked that question? Ace. Ace. Um, yeah, I think that long term, his future. It, I think he'll always make money. He'll always, you know, come out here and, uh, you know, McGregor Sports and Entertainment will definitely come and collect the check. But in terms of wins and losses, after this fight with Cerrone, he's probably in big trouble with the fights that he's wanting. Yeah, I, I agree, man. Look, a couple months ago, I was more worried about how he was acting in terms of like, could he even win a fight? Period. But now I do think he can win a couple fights. I just don't ever think he'll touch gold ever again in his UFC career. Jimmy the Drunk says. Krut versus Oleg Zaychuk and Krylov versus Walker are coming up in the next six to eight weeks. I see this as a mini tournament that allows the winner to possibly be one win away from a title shot. Who takes uh, this mini tournament? Um, man, but, it's gonna well, be Krut, from the right side, not well, from Krut and Oleg well, Krut and Oleg Zaychuk. That's a uh, what they did there was they they're so Dana's so pissed off at both of them for. Well, uh, Olachechik had a, a near 10-8 first round and, and blew it in the second. And Jimmy, uh, you know, the brute crew goes in there and has Misha Serkinov a couple punches away from a TKO win and, and completely pulls a stun. I, I, I just can't even explain. So, you know, uh, whoever loses that fight's in the doghouse. And the winner, I guess, will get forgiven. And Krylov and Walker, man, Johnny, man... His last fight, uh, Jimmy the Drunk, was so alarming, the fact that he got KO'd by Corey like that, that I'm not even convinced he can beat Krylov, because I feel like Krylov's been getting better fight to fight, even though he's coming off this Elder Glover. Uh, I mean, he, he was a couple little adjustments from being top five in the world, so, uh, man, Johnny... And I'm hearing this camp situation. I'm hearing he's passing blame on the coaches and this and that. So, you know, uh, you should go see Corey Anderson's last post about it. It's actually pretty funny. Oh, he commented? Yeah, That's he said that Johnny's, you know, he's already looking to jump ship after a one out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, that was, those are kind of alarming. Uh, but I'll take Ola Chechuk and I'll take uh, I'll take Krylov. So maybe maybe Krylov and Ola Chechuk can have a, a Euro war later later on. Yeah, look, I think it's going to be someone from the Krylov and Walker side that wins uh, the mini tournament, my man. Thank you for the question. My boy Pig Lord says, what do you think of Justin Ledet's flat earth theory? I think that, uh, I mean, I don't really give a shit about people's beliefs and theories. But uh, hey, man, to each his own. Believe it's flat earth, but, you know, just know that people will find you amusing, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, dude, like I referenced earlier, that interview we had when he was talking about the guy makes his own laundry detergent. He doesn't wear deodorant. He, 
And there's a bunch of other crazy shit he said too. Uh, He's a listener. There's definitely uh, <laughs> some new things that I've never like heard anyone else talk about. So, I mean, I, hey. from what I understand, he's from a very uh, like small, poor town in Texas, and you know, uh, hey man, if he look, leaves. as long as he's not out here hurting other people, I mean, I don't mean in the octagon. I mean, just you know, as long as he's not being a bad person, I don't really give a shit. But if he doesn't want to wear deodorant, then I can't tell. <laughs> he'll whoop my ass, <laughs> and he'll whoop probably everyone else's ass in his hometown. So who's gonna tell him not to wear deodorant? <laughs> yeah, I, I personally use laundry detergent. Uh, I like those Tide Pods, and I do wear you deodorant. Tell but, uh, like that to put on deodorant and wash his clothes? I'm just gonna walk across the room and you know, I don't think so. Cover my nose, you know. Good question, my man. GMO says, this Grant Dawson kid can't really be minus 250 against the Scrapper Skelly, can he? I mean, man, uh, you know, my boy Charles was going to darts choke this kid, but, you know, the kid popped, and uh, I hope that hopefully it's a tainted supplement they can get the fight going again. What's up, MMA says, why do you think the UFC still has a women's featherweight division? I mean, honestly, man, it's one of those things where Amanda Nunes is the champ champ and, you know, they'll give her little one-off fights here to defend the belt. And I think also because Cyborg was in the UFC at the time, they had to do that big fight with Cyborg and Nunes. And now that that's over with, uh, you know, they just haven't had, you know, time to vacate that belt and... That's it. They're I, concentrating I, on 35s. I disagree, man. I feel like uh, it's still in the building blocks. of. I mean, you still got girls like Felicia Spencer, who, uh, you know, although she lost to Cyborg, man, she seems like she's got a bright future. Megan Anderson seems like she might be, uh, you know, might be able to get a couple wins. I want to see I want to see uh, Megan in there. You know what I'm saying? I want to see if she pulls a stun or not. So, you know, they got to sign more girls. Unfortunately, Cyborg leaving definitely kind of uh, messed those plans up. Uh, you know, I feel like Amanda's probably not going to fight there, but I do think it's a uh, they can get Spencer and Megan uh, some some good name value. My boy MMA State of Mind says on the Makwa and Amir Khani scale of sobriety, how sober will Conor McGregor be going into the Cowboy fight? That's funny, man. I wish I knew what the Makwan Amirkani scale of sobriety is. Uh, was this guy was Makwan like really fucked up at something recently I just or something? Know he got banned from Fada in wrestling. Uh, RJ Bueller said that he like popped in wrestling and like was a steroid head. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so uh, how sober will he be? He says he's been sober for a couple months. I believe him. I feel like uh, his life's been so chaotic and and during that middle part of last year. You know, with the uh, the punching of the old man, uh, you know, the alleged maybe baby out there. Uh, you know, so I feel like he's probably scrambled uh, these last few months to get himself in order. I feel like he took this camp seriously, so I don't think he'll be drunk at all. The real question is, how sober will he be after oh, the coward fight? After, after he, if he knocks him out, my God, then he's really going to get back to... Uh, that booger gonna, sugar. Yeah, now he's, <laughs> he's going to go off the wall. He's going to tell uh, Jorge that... Uh, is it is embezzling 150 million or something? <laughs> oh shit. man! <laughs> hey, thanks, brother, for the question. Uh, much love to my boy MMA State of Mind. Champ MMA wants to know: Love the show and appreciate the hard work you guys put into this every week. Thank you, brother. What are you guys doing for the fights on Saturday? Hopefully, uh, going to this little uh, mansion party. Get to watch it on a big screen. Have a little bar action going on. Some steaks, some wings, some pizza, the whole bit. You know, that's the plan. What about you, man? What are you doing? Cowboy Sorolivera says, over or under for an early stoppage in the Connor Cowboy fight? As in, is Cerrone going to be crying early stoppage? Um, Over or under for an early stoppage? 
Are you saying like over and under one and a half rounds? Or are you saying like actual early stoppage, like someone's crying early stoppage? Um, we can answer both questions. Um, I mean, it most likely goes under one and a half rounds, but at the same time, someone made a funny point on some other show. Well, you know, Connor couldn't even get Dennis Seaver out in the first round, but you know, then again, he got Dustin Poirier out in the first round. So it's kind of hard to stay. But as far as an early stoppage, I do know Cowboy did cry early stoppage his last fight. He was kind of out of it for a little bit there. Usually when Connor knocks people out, uh, according to Jeremy Stevens, they get TKO'd. But uh, according to me, uh, there oh, there's never been a according Conor McGregor KO that was an early stoppage. According to Jeremy Stevens, he's, he hasn't lost any of his last fights. So, you know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, what was the question? Over under? Yeah, I could see Cowboy uh, calling for an early stoppage. Um, McGregor, usually when he gets stopped, he, 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 he wants out. So... <laughs> Thank you for the question, brother, and thank you for all your support over the years, man. We It does not go unnoticed. that We love all our supporters. Thank 100%. you guys so much. Well, man, we did it. It's going down this Saturday. T-Mobile Arena, Las Vegas, Nevada, Conor McGregor versus Donald Cerrone. Make sure you guys get our bets at bestfightpicks.com and use that promo code 2020 to save 20%. It's 2020, and the time is now to join the Best Fight Picks team. We're coming into 2020 hot after winning the last four events in a row. Dan was 6-1-1 for a total of 6.42 units, and I was 8-3-1 for a total of 9 units. We guarantee that your first month on our VIP package will be a winning one, or your money will be back guaranteed. We don't sell dreams of fake 11-unit bets. We believe in building your bankroll consistently. Use the promo code 2020 at bestfightpicks.com at checkout to save 20% off any VIP package. Ask us about any of our other discount codes to save off any of our other packages as well. Bestfightpicks.com. want to thank all our listeners for all your support as always. Make sure you follow Shaq on Twitter at MMAGenius05. You can follow Shaq on Instagram at ShaqBFP. Our official Instagram is Best Fight Picks Official. You can follow me on Twitter at Best Fight Picks. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, and all the places where we are available. Basically, anywhere you can find a podcast, you can find Half the Battle. Just hit that subscribe button. Again, want to thank all our fans so much for all the support because we got some big things in the works and I can't wait uh, for you all to see. So thank you guys again very, very much. We can't wait till the next episode. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.